0: Take your Bibles with me this morning and let's turn to one of the most famous chapters and beloved chapters in all the New Testament, Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter eight, please. In your Bibles, I'm gonna ask you to stand and uh, it's also gonna be on the screen, the version we're using today. You're free to read from your Bible or device or read with uh, everyone else. I'm gonna ask you to read to me our text this morning. And it goes like this, what we suffer. hallelujah the grass withers Isaiah says and the flower fades but the word of our God shall stand forever you can be seated thank you for reading there are some things which have happened already we are in the kingdom of God already And there are other things which are part of the not-yets of life. It hath not yet appeared what we shall be. I recall many, many times speaking with Pastor Des, my pastor, going in and questioning things that have happened or frustration over things that have not happened and having him clearly look at me, put that finger up like this and he said, it's part, Dan, it's part of the not-yets of life. I learned that so profoundly, that as we go through this Christian journey, there are times we have to be content with the fact that there are not yets in life. Do you see it? Yes. Can you have vision for it? Yes. Can you be excited, uh, enthused, inspired by it, motivated by it? Yes. But it has to be in God's timing because it's part of the not yets in your life. This means that it is also true that there is an aspect whereby not only are we in the kingdom of God already, but we are not yet in the kingdom of God. Romans chapter eight deals specifically and particularly with our life in the spirit. Within you and I, there is a dual nature. We have the spirit of Christ. Yes, how many are thankful for it today? but we still struggle with our fleshly nature. I said it a couple of weeks ago, and it rankled a few folks, and yet it is still true. I feel strong enough to say it again today. It's this, our spirit is set free at salvation, but our soul is continually a work in progress. I think there's something that, you know, for some folks you would like it said a different way or you would like it to come differently. I, I happened to be invited to uh, a lunch on Tuesday of this week downtown Fort Worth with a um, uh, an incredible theologian who happens to live in our area that I've known of for 40 years. And uh, he's known of Bethesda and our ministry here. And, and he asked that we, that we meet and we did. And it's a two and a half hour delightful conversation discussing uh, theological ideas and, and scripture and all kinds of other things. And of course, getting acquainted. It so happened that the conversation just wound its way to me bringing up this idea, and I thought, hmm, I think I'll, I'll see how he responds, and I called him by name, Dr. So-and-so. Um, I said to the congregation Bethesda recently, I said that I believe our spirit is set free at salvation, but our soul is con- a work continually in progress. How do you respond? What are your thoughts? And he leaned across the table, and he said, you told your congregation the truth. I said, I know I did. Could you call a few of them and let them know that the <laughs> I'll give you a list. (laughs) We are already children of God and not yet. This is because there is a duality within our person. We are spiritual on the one hand and carnal on the other hand. We are victorious on one hand and utterly defeated on the other hand. There is a war going on within us. My flesh wars against my spirit. I have a new nature, thank God, in that I am born of the spirit of God and at the same time I am carnal in my desires. I want to do the right thing, but I have discovered in years of living that evil is always present. Paul said it this way, the good that I would do, I find myself not doing. And the evil that I thought I had given up and was long past me, the evil that I don't want to do, that is what I do. Why? There's a very simple answer. It's because I am in the kingdom already, but not yet. Both of those things can be true. In Romans chapter eight, Paul does a magnificent job of laying out for us, from a very strong theological perspective, what belongs to us as children of God. And he basically, uh, let me summarize it, it put it this way, we have an adoption, then we have an assurance, and then we have an affluence that belongs to us as children of God. But even though we have life in the Spirit, There is still the war with our flesh. And I think any of us here today who are willing to be honest, willing to roll back the curtain of our life behind that which we present to others would recognize this is probably your story as it is my story. Let me look some more at Romans chapter eight, starting back at the beginning. There's now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I raise a hallelujah Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature, verse 8 says, can never please God. Verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Verse 14, isn't this a rich chapter? Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Hallelujah. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. If we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Bethesda, that's high church that strong spiritual language. But then we have to come back and get our feet back on the ground because remember, we are people with our feet on the ground but our heart toward the Lord. Get our feet on the ground and recognize that though I walk in the spirit, the reality of it is I still struggle in my flesh. This duality of our person, this already and not yet, strains the serious Christian. Because the truth of it is this, we really want to please God, don't we? We want to please God. But we have a sworn enemy, Satan himself, who battles against us on a daily basis to keep us doing all that he can to keep us from pleasing the God that we say we love the years, I've come to love the old hymn, One of Many, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Because that hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I mean, it's shockingly honest. It's, it's painfully honest. But it's the same thing that we're discussing here this morning. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And Bethesda, you know what? When I sing that hymn, I really mean it. But as soon as church is over. The very moment I get up from my knees in my devotion time. The spirit that I just claim that I love so much, I do something to displease. Why? Because there is a war within my members. Now hear me this morning. I'm not trying to be the voice of discouragement to you. I'm really not. I'm not trying to discourage the Christian walk. I'm simply underscoring the fact that when you're a serious Christian, there is this stress. There is this tension, there's a strain, it's a a struggle, and it's all the time. In in, in a strange way, I hope this is an encouragement to some of you who feel like you're the only one who's had this problem. No, there's there's a sanctuary full of people with that issue in this house today. But this stress, this strain, this struggle is there because when you want to do right, Satan will do everything within his power to keep you from it. And your old nature will always come up. Am I speaking the truth this morning? And sometimes the spirit gets the victory. Thank God. But then also it's true there are times when the flesh gets the victory. And quite frankly, that's just one of the many reasons why you need to come to church every chance you get. Because you're fighting the battle just like I'm fighting the battle. We're in this battle together. Oh, Dan, don't go down that rabbit trail. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But that's why we need to be in church all the time. That's why you need to read the Bible every chance you get. That's why you need to be in the company of godly people. Let me just say it as plainly as I know how. This idea of thinking you do Christianity in a bubble or in isolation or doing your own thing elsewhere apart from the local church will not work. It is not the environment for you to become a healthy, growing Christian. You need the body of Christ. Because the enemy is coming after you just like he's coming after me every day, no matter what my intention is when I get up in the morning. And we need to always be consistently and continually asking God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. Because on every turn, the devil's trying to snatch you from the Father's hand. This idea of already and not yet is tension for me simply because I know I'm a child of God, grateful for it. I know I've been born again. I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is there anybody else in the house today? Those are things I'm not guessing about. I'm I'm not, it's not like I'm not sure. I'm very sure. I know them to be true, but I still struggle daily to please God as I want and to please God as I ought." Now, I'm, I'm looking in, the, the, the good part of standing here and you being there is that there's these bright lights in my face and I see shadows and forms and sometimes I can see a few faces and I know some of you have a very holy, sanctimonious look on your face right now. Because I know there's some of you here who you've got it all figured out. And you've decided this message is not for you because you believe in sinless perfection and you've arrived there. And all I can say to you is, God bless you, you should write a book. But there's a few of us in this room this morning, and I'm one of them, who know we've been saved, who know that we've been changed. We know that our names are registered in heaven, but every day that strain, that stress, that struggle is there. I fully mean to do right when I get up in the morning. Absolutely, it's my my full intention. But sometimes before breakfast, hello? Certainly by lunchtime, the real J. Daniel Smith shows up, he's there. Stinker that he is. Are there any honest people in the house today? You're a Christian but the struggle is real. You've been born again, but there's still issues that you're facing. You know God, but every time you desire to do good, evil is always present. Let's dive a little deeper into this text. For the next verse, I'm gonna go to uh, chapter eight of Romans, looking at 18. I need to call on the KJV, King James Version 4. This next verse. I think we've talked about this. There's times I love the New Translation. You can figure out I use lots of, uh, lots of them. I have my personal favorites that go my go to my go-to that are common for me. But there's just things. Can you imagine Psalm 23 anything other than the King James Version? I conducted a, a, a funeral on Friday, and one of the scriptures requested to be read was John 3:16. And just because I was probably out of sheer honoriness, um, I put up another version on the screen for people to read. For God so loved the world that he gave his only that. (laughs) Ah, Whosoever believeth you King James people, you are. (laughs) And I caught that crowd. They were King James in it all the way through the whole thing. There is just a um, a poetic beauty and also because most of us, we didn't have a lot of those translations in our younger days and all we had was the King James Version, whether we understood what we were reading or not. It's what we had and it got written on the walls. And when it becomes the song or the scripture of your heart, can I just tell you, nothing can take it away, bless God. So there's times you got to go to the King James Version. It just has that. So for just a minute, Romans 8.18, he says, For I reckon, 18th verse, for I reckon. Reckon is an accounting term. It's a a mathematical term. Paul says, when I put it all out on the scales, when when I balance it all out, when, I, when I, I, I look at the one hand and then I, I, I look at the other, I reckon that one side outweighs the other side. We are, we're suffering in this world. That's on the one side. But on the other side, the, the, the scales are gonna be all balanced out when he comes again. Blessed be his name. I reckon um, I, I'm struggling right now, but I'm very confident God is going to straighten it all out. I'm going through it right now, but God is going to level it all out. I'm having a hard time right now, but this too shall pass. I reckon, get it, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall ultimately and finally be revealed in us.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Your scales may look like this today, my friend, but because you're in the kingdom and then then there's the not yet part, when he comes again, God is gonna straighten that all out. I reckon that these sufferings of this life are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us already and not yet. Paul talks about, while we're in this world, in this flesh, in this body, he says we are constantly groaning. Who's got a good groan this morning? No, that's nervous laughter. Come to our house. You'll hear some groaning, some serious groaning. Oh, is it only at the Smith house where that happens (laughs) he speaks of groaning first of all creation is groaning earthquakes in Chile California and at the New Madrid fault line where I was raised as a kid it's creation groaning a mudslide in Washington state polar caps melting unusual weather patterns that researchers are researchers are calling global warming warming effects let me just tell you what that is that's creation groaning we've had a couple of rough winters at least rough by texas standards i don't want to hear from you people from minnesota don't talk to me Just take it all back to Minnesota. (laughs) But we've had some ice storms here. Some pipes burst. You sure don't want to drive in Texas in the ice. And then on top of all that, our summers can, believe it or not, can seem to be getting hotter. Floods carrying away entire towns and communities. The earth shaking under our feet. That's creation groaning. Ugh. You can call it global warming. You can call it unusual atmospheric conditions. You can call it tectonic plates shifting underneath the earth's crust. Whatever you want to call it. It's creation, creation wanting to get back to what God created it to be. I wonder if you realize All of this creation groaning was not happening before Adam and Eve sinned. Did you know that? Let me just show you something that maybe you know it, maybe you don't. The Bible says that before Adam and Eve sinned, it never even rained. I reference Genesis 2, verses 5 and 6, if you need to check it out. God watered the earth with a mist, vegetation was lush and growing. Everything was as God had intended it to be, and it had not been affected by the fall of man, by sin. They had never even heard thunder before. The earth had never shaken before. Rivers had never overflowed their banks before. All of that is a consequence of sin. When Adam sinned, Bethesda, he plunged creation into suffering. The world, the earth, the atmosphere, everything is out of kelter because of sin. For creation is groaning. Trees are budding before their season. Fruit falling before its time. Because the creation do not even know what's going on. It's groaning. It's suffering underneath the burden of sin. Not only is creation groaning with earthquakes and floods and, and mudslides, but something else is groaning, and that's you and me. Christians are groaning. And you don't even have to be old to testify here this morning. Because in case you haven't realized it, you are not the same person you were 15 years ago. Come on, fess up. Now I know how hard you've worked on it. I know how you've dyed your hair. I know how you've tucked it in, had a little nip and tuck here and there, you cut it back, you straightened it out, you've done everything you could to try to make it look younger, You've discovered Botox and fillers and whatever else all that is. But the truth is you're groaning. You can't run as fast as you used to, can you? Your mind is not quite as quick and nimble as it used to be, is it? You can't see without your glasses now. You can't hear without your hearing aids now. You go into a room to look for something, and you gotta back up to the room you were in before to try to remember why you went into that room. You don't even know why you went in there. You're not who you used to be, friend. You're looking for your car keys and they're in your hand. Looking for your eyeglasses and they're on your face. You wake up in the morning and you've got to sit down for a minute to figure out where you are. You don't even know where you are. And then if it's not your shoulder, it's your knee. If it's not your knee, it's your hip. If it's not your hip, it's your back. Is there a witness in the house today? I can't count the number of people I've visited the hospital in Tarrant County, who've had one of those things replaced in the last period of time. I've about decided to go to the medical, medical community and say, can we get a Bethesda discount on all these replacements? <laughs> Some of you ought to be the bionic man or the bionic woman with everything you've had replaced. There's a leak in this old building, and one day my soul's got to move. <laughs> There's always something cracking and leaking and leaning because even as a Christian, we're groaning. You ever been so sick you couldn't pick your head up off the pillow? Have you ever been so burdened down that you couldn't really put your finger on what was going on with you? Something's wrong. You feel heavy, dark. And you're not even sure. You ever been in a room full of people but still lonely? You ever had a house full of company but you just couldn't get yourself together? There are just some things that a Christian needs that human companionship cannot fill. If you're like me, you know what it is to get homesick for heaven and have an overwhelming urge to be with the one who created you. Like many of you, I have friends there. I have parents, loved ones already in heaven. And every day it reminds me that this world is not my home. I'm a pilgrim, I'm a stranger traveling through this barren land, and I don't want to get comfortable in this world. How about you? For this world is in a mess if you haven't noticed it. I watch precious little to no, almost no television, but what little I do watch, I almost always see some commercial with highly inappropriate overtones being communicated today particularly when I've gone weeks and weeks and weeks without even looking at it and all of a sudden something's caught my attention and I'm sitting down to watch something for a second and the commercials that come on, I go, are you kidding me? That's okay now? And I become more and more and more stunned at the inference being made on television as commercial television becomes more and more blatant all the time. Is it just me? And now... We've got issues with Mickey and Minnie what's this world coming to and then there's what's going on in the sports world what's going on in the streets what's going on in Washington what's going on in the news news is filled with stories of rape and murder and children being violated and if you can get comfortable with that then I question if you're a child of God A child of God should not be comfortable in a world full of degradation that we read of every day in the news. This world is not my home, thank God. Who's with me today? And as Christians, we need to be reminded that everything of this world is temporary. It won't last. So don't get used to it, for this world is not your home. You're a stranger, you're an alien, or pilgrims just passing through. But while we're passing through, we have to deal with the same stuff that everyone else is dealing with. And can I just say, there is nothing glamorous about getting old. It is not all that it's cracked up to be. I don't care who told you different, they lied to you. Some folks have romanticized it and glamorized it to make it appear to be something appealing or something to look forward to. But you there's a certain threshold once you cross through a certain threshold. If it isn't one thing, it's another. So I'm told. <laughs> and if you're not having physical trauma, then it's your kids that are about to kill you. <laughs> you're praying for them. You're hoping for the best for them. But have you noticed they don't even seem to listen to you? Remember, they know better than you do. Just remember that. So it's very easily not a comfortable season of life. But as Christians, we are pilgrims passing through. And as Christians, we too will start to groan. You may be taking a bucket full of pills every morning for all your aches and pains. But the truth is, what that is, we are groaning under the weight of sin. Already a child of God, You're in the kingdom, but not yet. Creation has been groaning. The Christian has been groaning. You ready for the good news? It's been pretty depressing so far this morning, hasn't it? (laughs) Paul tells us that even though everything I've just told you is the truth, Paul tells us that the comforter comes alongside us and he groans with us. That in my stress... In my strain as a believer, you and I have a helper. We have a comforter who comes alongside me to help carry our load. And then when my load gets too heavy, he takes it upon himself so that I don't even have to bear it at all. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the indwelling Holy Spirit that he lives within. He comes to help us delight in the Christian life. He comes to shoulder our burden. He comes to get under our load because as long as you live in this flesh, you will constantly groan. But thanks be to God, Paul does not leave us in the dark concerning how God will take care of us. Now, when you go home this afternoon, I want you to read the whole of Romans chapter eight. It's just to bless you. Paul says, likewise, he who understands our infirmities... He groans with us. He's with us in our struggles. He's with us in our pain. And then Paul goes on to close this great chapter eight by saying, for we know. For some of you, it's your favorite verse. Who knows where I'm going? For we know. Romans 8, for we know that in spite of our groaning, in spite of the misery that's in this world, in spite of the trouble that's going on at our house and in our family, in spite of the doctor visits and the pain that's in your body, in spite of the heartache of losing your closest loved one, your mother and your father may be gone, your siblings may be gone, your spouse may be gone, you may be all, all alone. But Paul says, for we know In spite of the fact that you might get fired on the job. In spite of the fact that your friends turn against you. For we know. In spite of the fact that some friends may tell you one thing to your face. And something entirely different behind your back. For we know. Say it with me in spite of the fact that you get homesick for heaven and home, and it looks like things are not gonna work out in your favor, if you are a child of God, sometimes it can be challenging to be a Christian. Sometimes the burden is almost more than we can bear. Sometimes the strain shows on our faces. Even though we get hurt by others, even though we get lied to by others, even though we get abused by others, even though we get mu- uh, misused by others. For we know stand to your feet. That all things. Say it, all things. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his Purpose. Put your hands together and bless the name of Jesus. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. You know what that means, Bethesda? It means that no matter what comes your way, God's got your back. It means that no matter what the enemy may try to do to you, you will be victorious in the name of Jesus. It means that no matter what the devil tries to throw at you, God will give you the victory. It means that no matter how dark the night, no matter how long the day, no matter how many tears you cry, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. This present suffering is not to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Folks, there's coming a day, and what a day it's going to be. So why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? You tell me, why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know, for I know, Yes, I know, I know because I know that he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. Is there a hallelujah to be raised in this house? Is there a hallelujah to be raised in this house? Come on, put your hands together. Blessed be the name of Jesus.